You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last time, we hope. Show number two for this week. This is a little experiment for us at Pros Like Us, but this is show number two. We do have a special returning guest. Keep that secret for the next few seconds, but uh, you'll find out soon enough. But we'll also talk a little bit about uh, the Rams, the Bengals, and our picks. Get the fire extinguishers ready because the pick segment is getting very hot. So let's go to our guest right off the top. Author, journalist, been covering the Chiefs for years, uh, most recently for ESPN, and a proud Michigan State alumnus, Adam Teicher. Adam, how you doing? Good. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. I'm going to be solo today, so I'm okay. you know, kind of take, taking the full pie this week. But, all right. Uh, little, a little one-on-one. Be- That's all right. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the Chiefs, there have been some big moves in college football, namely the coaches. I mean, Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley this week, but I guess kind of overshadowing a couple of moves in the Big Ten at Penn State and, of course, at your Michigan State. So I wanted to get kind of your view when Michigan State made that huge commitment to Mel Tucker after a pretty good year. Yeah, um, with Michigan State, you got to remember the history. Um, you know, they had Nick Saban, you know, as he was getting his head coaching career rolling. Um, you remember back in the, what, I guess it would have been in the 90s, I guess, late 90s maybe, that Nick Saban was Michigan State. And I think everybody is sort of regretful that they didn't do more to try to keep him around. There were some things that chased him to LSU in, in the school administration. I, I think it was less about money than it was about some of the uh, things that were going on with the school at the time. But still, there's that regret that, hey, we let this guy get away, and we don't want that to happen with with Mel Tucker. So, uh, you know, they're they're rolling the dice a little bit. There's no doubt about it. The uh, school has taken a chance with him. But, you know, most of that contract is is being floated by the donors. Uh, Ten years, $95 million. uh, A lot of it is coming from boosters that are saying, well, we'll cover this thing beyond – what's normal uh, for a, a college coach. So, uh, you know, the school's liability is, is not really huge, uh, uh, not what you might think. So it is rolling the dice a little bit. You know, the early results with Mel Tucker are pretty good. Um, they are not the most talented team. You, you know, they're what, ranked, I think, 10th, I think, or 11th, something like that this week. And you could have a a draft of the top 10 or 11 teams in the country, Michigan State included. And you're not going to, you're going to go a while before you see a Michigan State player drafted. I mean, there, 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 you're going to be a lot of Alabama players, a lot of Georgia players, a lot of Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan. You're not going to see any Michigan State players. So they've definitely punched above their weight in terms of what their talent level is. But the recruiting is going well. So uh, we'll see. But um, I, I, I do think that was obviously an interesting move. Again, you know, big money been being floated around, like you said, mostly from the donors. So I'm sure that check that you write them every year is going, going, you know, well, well spent. That blank check with that, with it's all zeros uh, won't go very far with this 95 million. I just got to tell you. 
All right, very good. Well, we, we, you know, we'll keep a good thought. Sparty, Sparty needs needs a good streak here. Well, let's get into the Chiefs now. I mean, obviously, you you saw them all through camp. We're 11 games in and coming off of the bye week now. What's been the biggest surprise, if any, that you what you thought you would see coming out of camp versus what's actually happened? Wow, there's there's a lot of things. I was stunned by what I saw from the Chiefs defensively over the first several weeks of season um, and that's the headliner that's the big thing they I thought the Chiefs looked really good on defense um, when in training camp and I thought they were going to start the season strongly on defense the, the defense sort of won the day against a, a, as we know a really good offense and I'm thinking wow there's there's a lot going on here defensively that was going to serve the Chiefs well when the season started and then when the season started we saw none of that um, their, their pass rush was absolutely punchless um, they couldn't stop the run. Um, they, their corners weren't playing well. I mean, it was just a long list of things going wrong. Saw this for, what, five, six, seven weeks, and you're thinking, okay, this is hopeless, pointless for them to try to turn this thing around because it's just not going to happen. And um, and then all of a sudden they did. It was shocking how they started, and it's been shocking how they've not only that they've turned things around this quickly, but the extent in which they've come this quickly. I mean, it's that I've never seen anything like this. I mean, it's just been a crazy turnaround from uh, what looked like a hopeless situation to one that looks like it could be a, a key component of what might be a, another playoff team and maybe a team that goes deep into the playoffs and possibly another Super Bowl. So this year has been, un, you know, every year has its own personality for the Chiefs and every team. But this one really stands out for what's going on on that side of the ball. Well, health, I think, is a big part of it. You know, get, getting healthy. You always hear about complementary football, and, and you know, looks like yep. Spags is kind of finding the secret sauce now. But to me, it seems like, maybe not on the stat sheet, but Melvin Ingram is making a huge difference in allowing, like, Frank Clark and Chris Jones to really get after it. Now, he doesn't have a bunch of sacks. I'm sure, you know, he's got some pressures. I mean, nothing tremendous. But from just since he's been on the field, it seems like things have been much better. I mean, do you see it like that? Yeah, um, absolutely, Lou. That's a good a good observation that Melvin Ingram has made a, a difference, although it won't show necessarily in his stats. He doesn't play a ton of snaps, um, although I know the Chiefs are looking to maybe get him more involved as the season goes along. But, uh you know, what he's done is allow them to do whatever they really want with Chris Jones now. Um, you know, they've sort of moved. You know, Jones was mostly an end uh, until Melvin Ingram got there. Now the Chiefs are, are, are maybe more freed up to do with him whatever they feel like doing, wherever they feel like he fits best uh, on a particular down or against a particular opponent. Uh, they can sort of pick and choose their matchups with him, and that's uh, what they've wanted all along with Chris Jones. You know, there's that issue. You know, the other thing is that the Chiefs now can line up and often do line up a pass rush that has four guys who at one point in their career or another have had 10 sacks in a season. I mean, that's pretty good. You know, you've got Frank Clark and Chris Jones and Melvin Ingram and Jaron Reed. All those guys have had at least one season at some point in their career with 10 or more sacks. So um, the Chiefs have some options here. Derek Nottie's playing well. 
Some other guys are playing well. Mike Dana has done a nice job at times. The Chiefs have some options there, and it's finally showing up. I mean, I'll never forget the first three quarters of the game against Cleveland in the opener. I was stunned by what I was seeing from a pass rush that was absolutely getting nothing accomplished. And I was uh, having a hard time believing what I was seeing, and it didn't get much better over the next few weeks. But certainly it's improved lately. Yeah, it kind of had a Bob Sutton feel to it, and I was like, oh, my God, where is, the, where is this going? But do you see like almost parallels, maybe for different reasons, but almost parallels to the 2019 run when the defense kind of started to take shape as we moved into the winter months? Yeah, there there are some parallels. I mean, this this is about the time that uh, where, where the Chiefs sort of – turned things around and became over the last, I believe it was six weeks of the season, the best uh, scoring defense in the league. So they, they've been uh, that the last, what, four weeks, I think it is. They've allowed about 11 points a game, 11 or 12 points a game. So uh, there are some parallels. The differences are that year, that you remember, that, that was the year the Chiefs turned over their whole defense. They had a new coaching staff with a new coordinator and a new system and a bunch of new players, including Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and a, several other guys. And this year, you know, there was the, it's the same coaching staff with the um, same system and the same coordinator and a lot of the same players. And uh, it was a little puzzling why they didn't get off to a better start, particularly after what we saw from them in training camp. But, you know, hey, better late than never, right? And uh, they got a lot of guys playing really well right now, including, you know, everybody talks about the pass rush, as we have, and, and the corners are playing really well. Um, I think an underrated guy for the Chiefs has been Willie Gay. Chiefs haven't had many players like him. Um, a guy who makes plays from sideline to sideline and has done a nice job making plays that uh, stopping opponents for short gains that otherwise might have gone for a big gain. So he, he's kind of been an unsung hero. Remember, he missed, I think it was the first four games of the season with an injury. So um, that, that's been a big addition for them. And I, I think he gets overlooked a little bit. But Louis Gay is playing pretty well and um, uh, deserves some credit for this. Last year, I mean, obviously Spags' system kind of had him playing a little yeah. slower last year, where it seems like now he's kind of got it figured out and he's just going out making yep. plays. And it's, it is exciting to watch along with Bolton, uh, more of a downhill thumper, but he's, he's making plays backside of some runs that are like, wow, this can be serious. This can, this can be really good. Now, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we've all heard the term, it seems like from the national media, you know, well, Patrick Mahomes is broken. I think your colleague at ESPN, Ryan Clark, may have said that. You know, the league's caught up to him. Oh, my gosh, what, what are they going to do? What's he going to do? What's the sense in the building? Because you see this offense evolving because of the way defenses are playing them. Are the players taking to the evolution, or do you do you feel some resistance? Yeah, there's, there's some frustration with how they are sort of being forced to play the game. Um, you know, Mahomes, we've seen it not so much in his words, but in his actions. I mean, he's taking shots down the field, and they, they, a lot of them feel forced. You know, like he feels like it's their obligation, their duty to try for these big plays when they aren't there, even when they aren't there. You know, Tyreek Hill was talking after the game in Las Vegas about not liking having to run so many, in his words, 12-yard ins. The, the, the shorter routes, his turn for some of the shorter routes. So, you know, the, yeah, there is some frustration there. And, and they're having to learn to play the game a different way and, and all that. Um, you know, 
we'll see where it goes for these guys. But, you know, what a different world the Chiefs are living in. Um, in only one of the five last five games that they scored more than 20 points in a game, and it was a big one. They scored 41 in Las Vegas. But, uh, yeah, they, they are trying to learn to live in this kind of world, and it has been an adjustment, no doubt. Well, with this particular team, I mean, it's like, you know, they have to be patient, take the checkdowns, run the ball. You would just never yeah. even think, you know, to say those things. But, you know, quite frankly, the way defense, not just playing them, but you see, you know, Buffalo's running into the same thing. I think the Chargers to some degree, I don't know what their coaches are doing on their side, but it looks like Reed is trying to commit to the run. Did you ever think you'd hear these terms when talking about this particular team? No, they were so powerful for such a long period of time, basically three full seasons. And, and you so, no, I, I did And even they started off that way this year, right? So, uh, no, I, I didn't think that. But, uh, you know, credit for some defensive coordinators around the league for maybe figuring some things out. But, you know, I, I feel like while the numbers won't necessarily be what they were uh, you know, two or three years ago for the Chiefs, they're still capable of winning this way and, and, and being effective this way. I mean, you know, we've seen some really good drives from the Chiefs uh, the last you know, several weeks, uh, particularly early in games that have sort of gotten their, uh, gotten their off to a good start. They've, they've really done a nice job with the 15-play the script at the start of the games. It's, the Chiefs have uh, got off to a lead of at least seven to nothing in uh, each of the last four games. They have not trailed in each of the last three games. You know, they, they've done a pretty good job of getting off to a fast start. It's just, you know, staying patient and maintaining and, and doing the things they've got to do. But I, I think it's in them. It's just a matter of uh, maybe they just need the muscle memory, the practice. I, I don't know what it is, but uh, they just haven't been able to sustain. But I, I feel like it's in them. From Mahomes' perspective, I mean, that's just who he is. He's going to rip the ball down the field and take those shots. Occasionally, you do have to, to keep the defense honest. But uh, I guess the, the thing is, you watch him, and you know that it's going through his mind because, you know, he'll be in the pocket. And I've noticed a couple of plays where he's he looks like he's about to bail, and then he kind of catches himself and sees, hey, wait a second, the, the pocket's still clean. So he hangs in there, you know, makes the – 10 yard out or the the check down to one of the running backs and you'd think with Clyde being healthy now and that was supposed to be like his strength that they'd be using him you know Daryl Williams how many passes did he catch against the Raiders like nine or ten and to me it's not a coincidence that we, we talk about this one game in the last five where the Chiefs were over 20 points um, that was the game where their, their running back had a huge game as a receiver. I, I don't think that's coincidence. I think that's the part of the game the Chiefs are going to have to uh, embrace. And, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is maybe the, the ideal back to do it. His first training camp, when he was a rookie, um, that was the COVID training camp. So fans weren't allowed in, and, but I, I did get to go to watch. And, and every day I left, and they were, they were just feeding the ball to him constantly in uh, training camp and, and as a receiver. And I was like, okay, okay he's going to have a huge impact as a rookie, as a receiver. And then they just sort of went away from that and they didn't really need him to, to have a huge impact. And, and so they didn't use him a lot. And, but I feel like now that's an area where they can grow their game. He's so good in the open field. Get him in a one-on-one situation, he'll make the guy miss 90% of the time. He's that good with the ball in his hands in the open field. I feel like that's a place where if the Chiefs are looking for a 
third receiver, a third threat to go with Hill and, and Kelsey, he's as logical a choice as anybody at this point. I, mean, I thought maybe Josh Gordon had that uh, capability. Maybe he still does, but it, it's obviously not happening for him. None of the other guys are, are capable, in, meaning Hardman, uh, Robinson, or Pringle, of, of doing that consistently, I don't think. So I, I think Edwards Lair is a good place for that. And, and I it was kind of interesting to hear Mahomes talk about Edwards Lair after the Dallas game. He sort of unprompted talking about hey, I need to get him the ball more as a receiver. You know, he was sort of asked a generic question about Edwards Lair in his first game back from injury, and he said, yeah, he looked good. He, you know, he did some good things in the running game, but we need to do a better job of getting him the ball as a receiver because he's really good there, too. And I'm wondering whether he's had that, you know, Bannamy and Kafka and Reed have been in his ear so often about, hey, throw the ball to 25, throw the ball to 25. That he's starting to think about that now. So, you know, he only uh, Edwards Lair only had two catches against the Cowboys, but I, I think going forward, that's something I'm looking for is maybe him becoming a more prominent part of the passing game. Patience, you know. I mean, he's, you you got to be able to, you know, get it out there to him. I don't think they're going to do any design. Well, maybe they will do some design plays for him, but in most cases, that checkdown seems to be open just the way the defenses are playing. So if Patrick is thinking that, you know, hopefully he gets it out there. You mentioned Josh Gordon. It seems like the reps he does have, it just doesn't look smooth. Do you know what they're doing with him to get him comfortable in the offense? Do you think it's just? him not knowing the playbook as well as he should because he hasn't played in a couple of years and he's only been there, no training camp, the whole thing? No, he, he looks like a fish out of water to me. Um, he really does. He, does. he dropped a, a third down pass. You remember against the Cowboys? He was yep. open and just dropped it. And, you know, he, he wasn't the only guy who dropped a pass that day. I mean, uh, you know, Kelsey dropped a couple. Hardman dropped, a, dropped one. I mean, Mahomes, his receivers have not played as well in that regard. Um, they've not helped him out with, with big catches like they have in the past. And Gordon just fits into that. And, and you know, the Chiefs have tried to, to um, you know, give him a limited package uh, where, you know, he's not being asked to run, you know, combo routes or option routes necessarily, that they can do some uh, things where he can learn. But it's just obvious that he's light years behind the other guys in terms of what they can do with him. Um, you know, not having played at all for two years, when he showed up here and and not having worked with Patrick Mahomes ever and, and not knowing this playbook. In retrospect, it was probably not realistic to expect him much out of him for several weeks. Stuff does take time. But now I think we're beyond that point. He should maybe be beyond it. Figure if it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen soon for him because uh, you're right, it just doesn't look natural, the whole thing. Okay, now obviously the offensive line, five new starters. Looks like Creed and Trey are home runs, right? I mean, they, yep. they as rookies, they're as good as I've seen, you know, in my years watching this team. As far as just the group dynamic, where do you think that whole thing stands right now as far as them getting to know Patrick's drops, communication the whole thing i mean what is it what's the feel like as far as that group probably uh would like it to be farther along than it is right now uh, played 11 games at a training camp so you know, you'd like it to be farther along you know i think there's some things that maybe um play into that i'll make it more difficult i mean orlando brown is not your typical left tackle i mean he's just a different guy and, and speed rushers as we know give him 
problems. You know, I, I don't know that it's ever going to be completely flawless or, or pretty with him. I, I think he's done a, an okay job. I'm not saying that. Occasionally there's going to be some plays you're like, wow, how did that happen? You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, they have now on, they're on their third starting right tackle in Andrew Wiley. So, uh, um, you know, there's that issue as well. Um, so um, I, I feel like um, it's still a work in progress. They've got some some work to do. Any insight on Kyle Long? I think he's been uh, elevated as far yep, as to the yep. to the 53. Uh, would they try him at right tackle? Well, I mean, you know, certainly that's possible. I, I think he would, at this point at least, he'd be next in line. Mike Rimmers is still on IR, and Yang is uh, – he missed practice today because of an injury. So I think he would be next in line at this point. Uh, but keep in mind that he is like Josh Gordon. He hasn't played in two years now and didn't have a training camp, and he's just kind of getting back into it. I'd be surprised unless there was just an emergency need that it happens anytime soon. I think he can be part of the, the problem. Uh, but uh, the Chiefs have been so good from guard to guard right now, I just don't – that makes no sense to, to bust that up. So I think right tackle is probably the only place that um, is really logical for him. So um, we'll see what happens there. But I, I don't think unless there's a need, it's going to happen with him anytime soon. Um, I think uh, the job is going to be Wiley's for the foreseeable future. Now, if he doesn't play well or, or uh, there's an injury or whatever, then I could see it happening. But I think for the time being, at least, Kyle Long's going to be backup. All right, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, you know, he's up. Maybe he does get, get some snaps this week. A couple rookies, just a quick hitters, if you would, that I was really intrigued by when they drafted him. Uh, Noah Gray, and then a guy actually that hasn't been up at all, a practice squad player, Cornell Powell. Any quick thoughts that you have on those guys? Yeah, um, you know, Noah Gray, I'm surprised he hasn't been more of a part of things just because the Chiefs had really high hopes for him in training camp and, and the way they were using him in training camp. They were doing a lot of the same things that they do with Kelsey with him, and he, was, he, he had his moments with that. He certainly wasn't Kelsey, don't get me wrong, but there, there were some things that caught your eye with him, and it just hasn't worked out, so I'm kind of surprised by um, the fact that he hasn't been more productive, but... I still feel like he could be part of the solution if and when Kelsey is finished playing. I don't think that's going to be anytime soon, but uh, if in a couple of years the Chiefs have a need for a starting tight end, I, I think he could be in that mix. So I'm not giving up on him on that yet. Uh, Cornell Powell was just a guy that never caught your eye in training camp. He never did anything that would lead you to believe he could be a productive player anytime soon in the NFL. Uh, you know, the Chiefs have kept him around all season on the practice squad, so obviously they feel like there's still some hope there, and, and you don't want to give up on a guy too soon, certainly. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a guy that uh, anything you get from him in the future at this point would be found money. I don't think you should count on anything from, from Cornell Powell. Yeah, well, my normal partner, Alex, uh, will always caution us on uh, guys that get drafted after, like, only like one productive year in in college. Now, granted, it was at Clemson. He had great players ahead of him, but you always you know yep. want to be leery of guys like that. What's the storyline that we might be sleeping on? You know, for the rest of the season, what do, what should we keep our eye on? Wow, that's a good question. 
Um, you know, we talked about Willie Gay earlier. I just feel like that's a guy who's not getting enough credit for what's going on here. I, I feel like uh, he's kind of Derek Johnson light a little bit. You know, a guy who's doing a lot of things for the Chiefs and, and uh, maybe out of the spotlight a little bit. But I, I feel like he needs to stay healthy and be in the lineup because he's a key part of what they've got going on. So I don't know. Just off the top of my head, it's, you know that maybe is something to look forward to or look for as the season goes on. Um, um, but other than that, you know, we've we've been shining a light on some of these other issues going on with the Chiefs. So um, I, I guess just off the top of my head, I, I'd say Willie Gay is kind of a a guy I'm looking forward to watching and seeing how you know what what he does for this defense as the time goes on. Well, if he keeps getting in those passing lanes, you know, he's just going to yep. get more more interceptions. He runs everything down. He just looks like, the, you know, the the guy they've been looking for for several mm-hmm. years, you know, at the linebacker yeah, position because they've been so slow and it's been ad nauseum getting uh, Dirty Dan off the field, yeah. you know, get Ben Neiman off the field. You know, I, I feel sorry for those guys almost, but I got a chance to read your article about uh, league parity, and it was great. What did you say was your biggest takeaway when you in doing your research? What kind of caught your eye? I think we all kind of knew this even before I wrote the story, but I'd like your opinion on this, but I, I think this is about as wide open as a, a field for the Super Bowl is you can really remember, like, who do you really dread playing in the playoffs? Who's that team that was the maybe the Chiefs last year or you know, the Patriots from all those years or some of the teams the NFC has sent out in the playoffs? You know, not all these teams were successful, but that's beside the point. They looked like they were Goliaths as the regular season was winding down. I just don't know that there's any of those teams you, you just – you know, there's a lot of dangerous teams. But I don't think there's anybody you say, well, we, we really don't. It's not going to work out for us if we if we have to play those guys. I mean, everybody, there's no beast. And, and that's sort of reflected in the some of the betting line. No huge, overwhelming favorite like there has been, like maybe the Chiefs were at this time last year, you know, when they were whatever, 11-1 and one or whatever they were at this time. I could see any of, you know, what, 10, 12 teams realistically winning a Super Bowl. Normally, you've got to narrow down by this time to you know five or six maybe, but I think the field is just so much wider this year, and, and the playoffs are going to be that much uh, crazier this year because of it. Ultimately, that's what the league wants. I mean, going back yep. even to like uh, Pete Rozelle and Paul Tadley, I mean, he was looking for everybody to be like eight and eight and have a chance, right? We did an episode a few back where we are talking about like, who do you trust? Every time yeah. you, you think somebody, they throw up a clunker, and you're like, okay, well, we can't really trust them. You know, rising up again in the in the Northeast, we had a year away from them, but, you know, Alex, I mean, he's got this. I predicted that they're going to win that division, the Patriots. That I mean, yeah. I don't know if it's Mac Jones, I don't know, but it's Belichick. He did some amazing things in free agency that kind of went under the radar. The defensive guys more so. Judon, I think, has just been godsend for them. But um, on the NFC side of things, the Packers have just done things with injuries that still boggle the mind. When they went in and, 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 and beat Arizona with a very short deck, and they continue to win, even though Rodgers is hurt, COVID, you know, whatever, whatever they've run across. It seems like they're in it for the long haul. 
I think San Francisco, if they, as they're getting things rolling, you talk about the team that you don't want to play. Now, if they get behind, then it gets a little dicey. But if they yeah. don't, and that running game takes over, San Francisco is going to be awfully scary. AFC, yeah. who, who can you throw out, right? Jacksonville, the Jets, Houston, uh, maybe Pittsburgh. I don't know. Cleveland to some degree because Baker's hurt and they can't seem to, to find their, their mojo, I guess, anymore. Yeah, it's going to be wide open and we're here for it. Makes for good content, yeah. right? Oh, it certainly does. And you're right. I mean, you threw out that word a little while ago, trust. I mean, how can you trust the Bills at this point after losing to Jacksonville as a 15, 16-point favorite, after getting blown out at home by Indianapolis? How can you trust Tennessee after a loss to both the Jets and the Houston? I mean, uh, you know, the Chiefs, I can't unsee what I saw from them early in the season on defense. I can't do it. Um, so I think what they're doing defensively is legit. I, I'm not saying that, but it's hard for me to trust them right now. I want to, even though they played well for four straight games, I, I, I still feel like I need to see more for the Chiefs before I can really fully trust them. So maybe the most trustworthy team right now is New England. I mean, yeah. uh, um, you know, you may, maybe that's the team we should be looking at. Okay, that's the team you really don't want to see in the playoffs right now because, uh, hey, I, I think there's a number of teams that in a one-and-done scenario, yeah, you, 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 they're dangerous teams. How many of these teams, though, can you see winning at least three, uh, yes, three games to get to a Super Bowl? I mean, do you really think, despite what Indianapolis is doing, they're good enough to beat three teams in a row? Uh, maybe they are. I don't see it. Do we really trust Cincinnati or Buffalo that they can go through a, a pretty tough stretch and, and win all those games? I, what about the Chiefs? Can they beat a, you know, a, a murderer's row of, of Buffalo, New England, and, and somebody else? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know. And that's what makes this fun. I mean, I, I think there's going to be some upsets, particularly in the AFC, might be upside down by the time we get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, are they truly upsets, really? I mean, with New England, yeah. at very least, you know what you're going to get, right? I mean, so as yeah. far as trustworthy teams, I hate to say this, and it makes me sick. We only got a year off, but <laughs> here we are. Yeah. You know what you're yeah. going to get. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play good defense. The quarterback's not going to make mistakes. And, you know, God help you if you throw some interceptions or, you know, get behind. And it's just, uh, yeah, so it should be fun. This is going to be one of the most interesting years, particularly in the AS, AFC, in the playoffs. I, I think this is going to be a sort of a bloodbath, and uh, it would not surprise me at all to see a lower seed, you know, a, a five, a six, something like that, advance to the Super Bowl this year. It would not surprise me in the least. No, and like I said, we're here for it, and we'll be cheering all the way. You know where my heart is, so it's all in front of us. It's like you know all the press conferences the guy the guys keeps saying. But okay, one last thing, I thought this was would be interesting. If you had one question, you could only ask one question, and to Andy Reid, and he had to answer it. You know, not coach speak, not you know a bunch of cliches, but just an honest answer. What do you think you'd ask him? Well, that's interesting. I'm not used to getting honest answers from him all the time. So uh, you're, you're asking me a real hypothetical here. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that probably would fall into that category. Um, you know, I, I still would like to know, I guess, what effect all this Britt Reed stuff from before the Super Bowl last year has had on him 
in the organization. I just like to know what that is like and what effect that he, that's had because I still think there's still a little bit of residual there. Maybe I'm off on that, but I, I, I'd kind of like to know his real thoughts about that. That is a good one because it had to affect them going into that game, and no then doubt. furthermore the rest of the season, and you know, hope, thoughts, and prayers again to all the affected parties. So uh, hopefully that that all works itself out. Adam, this has been tremendous. I, I appreciate you staying on a little bit longer than we probably expected. Always a pleasure to have you on. Again, author, journalist, covers the Chiefs for ESPN. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Adam Teicher. And again, like I said, at ESPN.com. Adam, thank you very much. Great stuff, Lou. We'll talk to you hopefully soon. Okay, very good. Thanks again to our ESPN correspondent, Adam Teicher, beat writer for the Kansas City Chiefs, formerly of the Kansas City Star. Great stuff from him always. And the Rams run a bit of a losing streak here. And they seem to have lost themselves, right? I mean, this used to be a team that looked a little bit more like the 49ers flavor of this offense. And I think we talked about it a little bit, the differences, when we talked about Shanahan a week ago. But it seems like McVay, he got his shiny new toy in in Stafford, and he's almost changed the identity of the offense. And it ain't helping. Actually, it's hurting for the most part. I mean, Stafford's a great player, and I think if you put him in those play-action situations, whatever, he's going to be able to hit a lot more downfield stuff than Jared Goff was able to. But just the straight drop back, I mean, this in Green Bay, he looked like he was like having flashbacks to Detroit. It's not good right now. They're getting beat up in the middle. Teams are being a lot more physical than they are. Both lines of scrimmage, which is kind of odd with Aaron Donald on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, they don't run it like they used to. They're relying way too much on Stafford in the pass. And in my opinion, if they don't get back to their, I guess, their original identity, you know, they're going to beat Jacksonville this week, I would think, playing them at home. But then at Arizona, eh, Seattle, they'll probably beat them. But at Minnesota, at Baltimore, San Francisco, I mean, these are teams that are going to punch them in the mouth again. How are they going to react? If they go back to their original identity, I think they're good. But if they don't, drop back passing game, I don't think is their DNA. And without Robert Woods, this is really starting to spiral. Sean McVay is the problem here right now because he should take a page out of the Kyle Shanahan playbook and just go back to what uh, to what made him successful in the first place by running time. ego ego ego. Well, you have to run the ball. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, teams that are throwing right now, unless you kind of keep that balance. I mean, you could throw it 55, 60% of the time, but you've got to keep that balance. You can't run the ball, you know. 10 times a game that's just impossible you know the major issue to me is just they're not committed to running the ball losing Robert Woods has also been huge I mean obviously that's a huge loss and and OBJ probably will will not be able to replace that they keep going for those big plays Lou I mean that's that's a huge problem out there how can you do that I mean take the underneath stuff don't go for the big play they're too dependent on it And, you know, Stafford hasn't played well the last three weeks. I mean, they've gone away a little bit. Stafford threw a pick six for the third consecutive game. He has struggled over that period. We talked about the Rams. They got off to a hot start. 
I think what what were they like seven and one, and everybody yeah, they lost got, three in a row. Everybody mm-hmm. got excited. Well, now they're just they need to go back to their original identity. Take a page out of Kyle Shanahan. Sean McVay needs to get with the program a little bit, or this is going to get out of control. They're going to win against Jacksonville this week, like you said. But if they keep going the way they're going right now, they will certainly not get a high seed. They will certainly not get that buy. And they'll play in a wild card round. And it just, man, I mean, everything is spiraling out of control right now. And nothing is working, especially offensively. Well, we're going to keep saying this. And yes, we are the old men saying, get off our lawn. But this time of year, it's, you know, there's, this is a physical sport, a physical game. And if you're not physical, you're going to get beat up. So get back to who you were, run the ball more, a little bit more balance. Play action pass with Stafford instead of the straight drop back. This offensive line, I think, would feel a lot better moving forward than going backwards to set up the pass block on a 40 to 50 times a game. Go back to your roots. Okay, yes, it is the Shanahan offense. Mike, that is. Kyle's has his version. McVeigh's got his version. LeFleur has his version. But McVeigh, get back to the roots. Run the ball. I don't, maybe it's a problem with the offensive line. I don't know. I'm not that far into the X's and O's, but it would just seem that from a distance, physicality, run the ball a little bit more, play action pass, and. I think they'll be in much better shape and, you know, it'll give OBJ some time to, to kind of get into, you know, all the shifts and motions and understanding the route concepts that they run, everything that goes along with it. And maybe they can get things kind of turned around as they hit the home stretch here. So the Bengals, have they arrived? It seems like every time we think they have, then they throw like a clunker in there couple big wins at Las Vegas at home. They just took apart the Steelers and changing of the guard, whatever you want to say. Ben looked awful. Burrow is, I think he, I mean, Herbert's kind of overshadowed because of the wild plays, but Joe's doing what he's got to do to get his team in position. And lo and behold, who's coming to Cincinnati this weekend, but the Chargers and Justin Herbert. So, I think these next few games is going to tell us, have the Bengals arrived? I mean, they've got a tough stretch. They've got the Chargers, the Niners, at Denver, Baltimore, Kansas City. Then they finish at Cleveland. So if they can get through this and make the playoffs, wow, that's going to say a lot about this team. But, you know, for years, their free agency really, you know, was kind of a clunker. They were cheap. But they've had some free agency hits. The draft picks have, have kind of come along. Free, you know, Hendrickson and Hilton, the Wouzier. I mean, hell, Eli Apple's kind of finding his way finally in the NFL. B.J. Hill, Ogan Joby, D.J. Reader. A couple of those were two years ago, but still, you know, Jamar Chase and the draft, and then previous Burroughs, Higgins, Logan Wilson. Wow, Jonah Williams, when he's healthy, I mean, he's a pretty damn good player. But everything seems, I don't know, every time I feel like I think I, this is who they are moving forward, they throw in that clunker. So I'm waiting to kind of hold my opinion until next week. And this is foreshadowing to the pick segment. But 
I really think they've got a shot here, although this ke- the schedule down the stretch is a killer. Yeah, it's a tough stretch. And you're right. We will find out more about this Bengals team and whether they're for real. But when was the last time they beat the Steelers two times in one season? We have to go back to like the I, I 1980s or something like that in order to find yeah. that information because it's been a while. But you know, the one thing that I've seen from the Bengals is that what we talked about with Sean McVay, what's missing. Ever since the bye, the Bengals have been committed to the run game. I mean, Joe Mixon against Las Vegas Raiders got 30 carries for 123 yards. Against Pittsburgh, they just pounded the ball like the old Steeler teams, you know. He got 28 carries for 165 yards and scored two touchdowns. I think to me, the Bengals have rediscovered themselves. They've featured Mixon a lot more the last two games. And I think if they stick to that plan, if they stick to the run, that will make the job of Joe Burrow a lot easier to get it to those weapons, to Tyler Boyd, to T. Higgins, Jamar Chase. They've found that balance, and that's the reason why the Bengals are winning. Plus, the defense is playing a lot better than I thought they would be. I just didn't believe that the Bengals could could become a very formidable unit, but they have become that. So playing good defense and committing to the run the last couple of weeks has been the winning formula for them. Yeah, the free agency hits have really, I was skeptical, you know, could Hendrickson kind of put some things together uh, because he really had just the one big year in New Orleans, you know, Mike Hilton from the Steelers and he was kind of, you know, hell, the Steelers let him go, Wouzier from Dallas and all these cast-offs and they seem to have found a home. They've put them together in a good formula on offensive side of the ball, they have playmakers at every single spot. You know, as long as Mixon's healthy, you know, you've got Burrow, you've got Mixon. Wide receivers, they, they're three-headed monster with Higgins, Boyd, and Chase. Uh, Uzama's been kind of a revelation at the tight end position. So this is, is going to be a tough out. Like I said, that's a crazy schedule coming up because uh, the Niners are playing much better. Going to Denver is no easy game. Baltimore again. Kansas City comes into Cincinnati at Cleveland. Who knows what the Browns will be by that time, but wow. So, as I mentioned before at the top, get the fire extinguisher because these picks are smoking. Over the last three weeks, we're 11 and 1. We're back up over 11 and 1, I said, Alex. 11 and 1. 5 and 0 this past weekend. We're up over. 50-50, we're at 24 and 21. Always love to see that. Just as a reminder, and I'm yes, I'm gloating. Dallas, the over was over 51. It was, it was 36-33. Cincinnati minus three and a half. That was never in doubt. Denver plus two and a half against the Chargers. They won pretty easily. San Francisco minus three. It was tight at times, but I think San Francisco always had control. We did get a little lucky with uh, the Ravens minus four and a half. That line did dip some. As the the week went on, but uh, we go by what the lines are on Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we record. That was four and a half, and that field goal at the end. Actually, there was a holding call. Baltimore probably runs out the clock, and they don't cover. But we'll take that. We can, we've had some ones go the other way that are, that aren't so uh, kosher, but. Uh, Anyway, this week, Cincinnati, okay, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to take Cincinnati, minus three uh, against the Chargers. Again, we've got that West Coast team coming east in the early window. They just played in Denver and didn't look very good there. So I'm going to take the Bengals and hopefully 
this is them kind of showing we've arrived. We can put another two games in a row together, and this will be the third one in a row after the bye. So let's go with Cincinnati minus three. The Rams minus 12 and a half. On the surface, it looks like, are you crazy? But it is Jacksonville. This is the type of game that the Rams will look really good in and maybe fool everybody into thinking they've got things straightened out, but not so fast. But I will take them this week, minus the 12 and a half. San Francisco at Seattle. I just got it at minus two and a half. This number is going to go up, so get on it as quickly as possible. San Francisco is going to crush Seattle. And then I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. On Monday night, New England goes to Buffalo, taking the Patriots, plus three. I've got them winning the division. This is a key game in that prediction. So this is where Mac Jones kind of says, okay, I'm putting my stake in the AFC East, taking over for Brady. You had your one-year AFC East. We're back. It's all us now. Alex, what do you got? All right, my lock of the week is completely opposite of that last pick. I'm taking the Bills on Monday night. Ah! Minus three. Me, man. I mean, it's going to happen, Lou. I mean, the Buffalo Bills are going to claim this division, and it starts now. The Patriots are hot, red hot. They're playing extremely well. Once again, beat a good shorthanded Titans team last Sunday. But the Bills are going to come out smoking. They're at home. They're going to beat the Patriots in that rookie quarterback. They're going to make them work for it. I think they'll make Mac Jones look average during this game. And I'll do another lock of the week just because I'm rooting for this team to finally get a win. But the Lions are plus seven against the Vikings. I'm going to take that. Goff played well last week. The Lions have been in a lot of close games. I think it's going to be a close game once again, just like the first one when the Vikings won it. I think the Lions pull out their first win. I'm, I'm going to say it right now. Not only do they cover that spread, but they win. So Lions and Bills, take that to the house. Those are the locks of the week. All right. Well, Brady has had, always had his issues in Buffalo. Well, not always, but he had some issues in Buffalo. But uh, I don't know. I, I got a feeling this is this is the Patriots uh, again staking their claim, restaking their claim to the AFC East. All right, folks, that is going to do it for us. Show number two this week, Pros Like Us number sixty. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. And we, like I said, did a second show, number 59. So uh, listen to both of them. Subscribe once. If you've already subscribed, thank you very much. For Alex, I'm Lou. Peace.